When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and once again I'm joined by the Daily Record sports writer Andy Newport and the Sunday Mail's chief football writer Scott McDermott. We're building up to a huge week of course in Europe and domestically with uh, Sparta Prague. A trip to Sparta Prague for Steven Gerrard's side for the second Group A game in the Europa League and that's followed by a table-topping Scottish Premiership match at Ibrox when Hibs are the visitors. How are you both, guys? Good, Gav. Yourself? Very well. Very well. September weekend. Yep, I was off last week, so back to back to reality this week. Andy, you weren't off. I see you still pounding away filling that paper. Oh yes, uh, trying to just trying to get the work done with the two kids bouncing off the off the walls. So love and joy. Sparta Prague. Get him. Well, and. Vaguely remember the 1991 game. I actually was looking. Uh, I see a few uh, ex-players talking about it today, but I actually watched some of the highlights last night just to kind of refresh my my memory. I know it was a kind of dramatic night at Ibrox, Sparta Prague winning an extra time. Um, it was a two-one win um, after Stuart McCall had scored twice. Yep. Just lost one 0 over there. I watched the game uh, last night on YouTube. I must admit. I couldn't remember the goal. Rangers were heavy favourites to win the game, um, according to the commentary. And it was a bit of a freak goal. Have you seen it? Yeah. I, 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 do you remember from the time? It was like a cross-come shot. Yeah, it comes off Nisbet. And I, I know Andy Gorham makes certainly the best uh, attempt to keep yeah. out. I think he's been under a bit of pressure. He just obviously signed from Hibs and had had a bit of shock on his debut against Hearts at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. This game was only about eight or nine games into the season. Um, is it, sorry, is this a away game you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. well, the, 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 oh. the home game and then the, 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 the goal over there was a short... Sort sorry, of that's, that's the one I was talking about. Ah, the sorry, the yeah. defeat over there was like a cross-come short. short when it was yeah, and then the second leg was the, the own goal. Uh, I think yeah. it was Nisbet and yeah. Gorham sort of scrambled across. So uh, it just shows you the way that, you know, back then, you know, people probably had a bit of a... Uh, you know, had some doubts about Andy Gorham at that time. He obviously went on to become an incredible servant for the club. But um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a strange tournament that year. That was the first year they actually had the group stages in the European Cup. I hadn't been rebranded as the Champions League at that point. But if they'd if they'd get past uh, Sparta that night, they would have been on to face Marseille in the second round before the the group stages. So uh, you know. Obviously, that 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 head-to-head sort of was saved for the year after '92, '93 when they actually get into the, the Champions League proper. But uh, I think it was a it was a bit of a state of um, you know flux at Ibrox at that moment. Uh, the three foreigners rule would sort of come in, and Walter Smith had sort of started shipping out all the, the sort of the English guys. Trevor Stephen, Chris Woods had left, and they started bringing in the likes of Stuart McCall and uh, Andy Gorham, the guys that were. Uh, you know, Scottish qualified, um, and it was a sort of that was that laid the sort of 
the bedrock for the for the team that went on to do so well the year afterwards and obviously took them towards nine in a row. Sorry, Andy, did you see that was a group stage that year? The year the year that ninety one, ninety two was the first season that group stage had been introduced, but it wasn't rebranded as the Champions League. The Champions League proper came in the year afterwards. I thought the group stage 92, 93 was the first time. No, the first year was the 91, 92. No, Andy, you're absolutely right. Sorry, that's why I picked you up. Sorry, I uh, I must admit, I kind of told you that. So I thought it was 92, 93 as well, but I'm checking and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I remember being at that Ibrooks game uh, as an 11-year-old, the Stuart McCall game. remember it quite vividly, just a brilliant atmosphere. It was McCall's debut. Uh, I mean, we think he actually Stuart McCall's kind of overall Rangers career. Obviously, you don't associate him with, with goals, but I think when he arrived at that time, Feverton, you know, he was known for getting in, into the box and getting goals, and it was an unbelievable uh, debut for him, obviously, getting two. But as Andy says, the, the, the late goal for Sparta was an absolute killer. And as he says, I mean, Gorham was under a bit of pressure then and people did have their, have their doubts which is you know, it's just incredible given that we're going to become you know, probably club's greatest ever greatest ever goalkeeper but I mean it was, a, it was a horrible a horrible goal to lose and a horrible way to go out Yeah, uh, yeah I see but I see Sparta Prague actually made it to the group stage that season yeah, they finished second behind Barcelona in the group so two groups and uh, the winners of the two groups went to the final. So that was the Sampdoria Barcelona final year. Um, but Sparta Prague now, um, not the Sparta Prague of ninety one. What kind of test are they going to provide? Because I mean, Rangers after losing that opening game against Leon, I suppose in hindsight, anything from that game would have been a bit of a bonus when you see how good Leon were. Um, but you don't want to be starting with two defeats, do you? And then you're right up against it. Well, when, when the draw get made, I think every Rangers fan probably looked at it and thought, right, let's aim for second place behind behind Leon. <laughs> um, I think most fans would feel that, that Rangers should be able to get past Sparta Prague and Bromby. But no, Sparta Prague last year, I thought, very good against Celtic, obviously. And Rangers found out how good Slavia Prague are, uh, who are obviously ahead of them, uh, ahead of Sparta in the, the Czech league. So, I mean, listen, the standard is pretty good for both of those clubs. It's by no means a, a gimme that Rangers are going to go there and, and get something. But as you say, in terms of the group, it's vital that they take something. You no, know, we're a double header against Bronby coming up. Um, it's absolutely crucial I and mean, I don't think they need to go to Prague and win a win would be nice but mm-hmm. they need to take something for the game to set them up for, for both games against Bronby if they could get six points for that double header then they'd be in a decent position to at least go and go and try and get that second place Yeah I mean that's the thing Andy obviously last season the, I mean the Glen Kamara incident in the Slavia Prague game you know, overshadowed everything. You know, the game, we didn't really talk about the game, you know, for, for months after it because that that was that was the headline from the game. You know, but once you go back and look at it and you reflect on the match itself, I mean, Rangers were second best that night, weren't they? Oh, definitely. I mean, they were, you know, they, 
Yeah, they found it really difficult to cope with just the way that, you know, Slavia could could move the ball about, could, you know, cope so comfortably with, with the way that Rangers were, were lining up. Um, it was a real step up. I mean, you know, in terms of what Rangers are faced in Europe under Steven Gerrard, I mean, I think you put Slavia, Prague and Leverkusen and probably Leon up there as the sort of best three sides that they faced. Yeah. Um, you know, Sparta, in terms of what we saw last year against them, against Celtic, it's a bit hard to get a sort of grasp on it because they really didn't put out the strongest side, but they still obviously coped fairly comfortably with a Celtic team that was pretty low in confidence at the time, but if they're, if they're anywhere near the quality that, that uh, Slavia produced last year, then well, it will be a, tough, a difficult match. And certainly just looking at the sort of results and the number of goals they've been racking up this season, I mean, yeah. they, 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 they took out Rapid Vienna in the Champions League qualifiers before losing to Monaco. But I mean, even this season, they won 5 2 at the weekend, looking as a 4 0, as a 5 0 there. So, yeah. They certainly don't seem to be having the sort of problems that Rangers are having right now in terms of you know scoring bundles of goals. So yeah. you know Rangers will need to have, I presume, will need to, to take their, their game up at a level or two if they're, if they're to get a result over there. Yeah. Well, they finished tw- they finished twelve points behind Slavia last season. So I mean, Slavia were, were, were you know a wee bit ahead of them. Yeah, and listen, although I agree, Randy, Slavia are one of the be- better teams that Rangers have faced, but. I do think a large part of that uh, kind of exit last year was how Rangers played. I just don't think Rangers were at it. I mean, I think when Rangers have been at it in Europe, they probably have faced better teams, you no know, like Porto and Benfica and Galatasaray, teams like that come to mind, who are probably as good as Slavia, uh, if no better. But the difference was Rangers, Rangers were at it in those games. I just don't think Rangers were at their best when those... Uh, when those Slavia games come around. So you don't expect Sparta to be as good as them. And I think that gives Rangers a real a real chance. But you know, we did see them against Celtic. Zandy said, I'm not sure it was their, their strongest team, but I mean, still very good players. I mean, the, the guy that stuck out for me was the boys at Moberg, Carlson, the Swede who plays them, who was terrific um, at Celtic Park. The kind of wide, wide attacker. Um, he's going to be somebody that needs to be needs to be watched closely. But as I say, I don't think they are as good as Slavia. And that no Rangers should be getting into the game. As I said before, definitely looking to take something if no if no three points. Yeah, and then that's obviously the first. That's the first part of a huge week. Yeah, after Thursday night, it's straight on to Sunday and Hibs uh, coming to Ibrox. Top of the table clash. Now we've been here before. I was actually just doing a feature for the website there, just of um, with Hibs having had having the chance to go top with a win. It's not that often that teams outside Rangers and Celtic can go top or, or have gone top sort of even in the month of October. You tend to find it's normally one of the big the big two, and then normally these sides fall away. Um, that's what history has shown. But it, the fact that Hibs have the opportunity just shows what a good start they've made and Rangers still despite you know the win up at Dundee on Saturday they're still not quite firing all cylinders what um, I mean what do you expect from Hibs on Sunday how tough a test it'll be very tough I mean you know I think they've proven this year that what they've got is sort of variety of options you know Martin Boyle's obviously 
uh, such a uh, seems to be a, probably their main danger man. But Kevin Nisbet's you know started the season in sort of steady fashion, and you know Scott Allen, um, you know obviously overcoming his health issues that he had last year. Um, he came on against obviously someone um, last week and made a sort of pivotal. Um, you know, played a pivotal role in them getting a, a point against them. Um, you know, they've got the experience now that they're settled in under under um, Jack Ross. I mean, I still think maybe the odd wee question mark about them defensively. I mean, I, I know Ryan Paul's has had a, a decent start to the season, but um, I think he is prone to lapses um, at, at times. I think you saw that against St Murray when he allowed Brophy to cut inside and, and score at the near post. Um, yeah, I think he should have, probably should have dealt with that sooner. Um, you know, Paul McGinn can, can be got at a time. So there'll be there'll be areas of this team that, that Stephen Gerrard will feel that he can he can exploit, but they're certainly capable at the other end of the pitch. And you know, Rangers are you know not at it as they haven't been at times this season. Then, then it could be it could be an entertaining game. Uh, I mean, you were at that game Easter Road Winning Score, am I right in saying that? Yeah, Hibs St Mirren. Yeah, Hibs didn't play well at all that day. And that's that's what's interesting about this game on Sunday is that people are saying Rangers you no know, haven't had kind of top forum yet despite being at the top of the league. I actually don't think Hibs have had anything like top forum and they're up at the top. As I say, they were you know, they were poor for large parts of that St Murn game. Still got away with a point. I think Jack Ross said at the weekend in the, the one 0 win over St Johnson that you no know, they didn't play that well, obviously they get a penalty, a dubious penalty, it has to be said, to get the three points again. So the manager admitted himself that, that they're not really hitting top top gear, but they're still up there. And I think that I think what that shows you is that and it's maybe different to previous seasons that they've actually got a bit of resilience about them now. As, as Andy says, you no, know, they've got a bit of experience now. Used to working with Jack Ross, you no, know, he's got a way of playing, um you know, a system that they're comfortable in. And they've got players at the top end of the pitch that can that can hurt you, obviously, and and Boyle and Nisbet and obviously Scott Allen's came back into the came back into the team now. So it's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, Rangers need to find or need to find some kind of a better form uh, fairly quickly. Um, even though they are top of the league, as we've all said, no, they've no. They've not been anywhere near top gear. No, for a full ninety minutes, they've shown in flashes what they're capable of this season. Um, but I think they're going to need to step it up if they're going to get get three points against Hibs. But by the same token, you know, if Hibs are going to go to Ibrox and take something which they're capable of on their day, then they're going to need to raise their raise their performance level as well. Yeah, because I was going to say. Is this the kind of game? I mean, if you think back when I was talking about those um, teams who have been top in October before, uh, one of the examples was Hearts and Stephen Gerrard's first season. I think uh, you probably remember. I, I, I couldn't believe Rangers were six or something back then, but Hearts were flying high under Craig Levine and they came to Ibrooks. Um, and Rangers won 3-1. They really found their form, you know. They'd, yeah. they'd been a wee bit sluggish. Do you remember the game, yeah? You know, Morelos got a back heel. Morelos scored it. I think Ryan yeah. Kent scored after about three minutes. But there was yeah. a lot of hype because Hearts were flying high and had they beaten Rangers that day, you know, Rangers would have been really, you know, lagging a wee bit behind Rangers. And as tends to happen, 
you know, a lot of the time, you know, when, when the teams outside the old firm are up challenge and the acid test is normally when they face one of the, the big two. Um, but that's what I was going to say to you. Is, is that what it's going to take? A game like Sunday where there's hype around Hibs, could it be similar to that first season where maybe that is what gets Rangers going? I feel as if we're seeing this every week. I think maybe, maybe this will get them going. Maybe this will get them going. I mean... I think you're right though, Gav. I think this is the type of game, and I've seen it before, you've mentioned that Hearts one. I think with the big teams uh, that normally they do find that level when, when they really need it. And this, this game on Sunday just was that feel, you know, it's top of the table. Yeah. People are saying Hibs could maybe challenge. No, the atmosphere will be really good. I think I think it's sold out already. Actually, I've seen somebody post on social mm-hmm. media. It's yeah. a sell out already. So it, it just has that feeling about it that you know, Rangers just might kinda you know, rediscover their kind of mojo a wee bit on Sunday and, and if the atmosphere's good at the start, if they get off to a good start and score early, like you said, that hearts game. Yeah. And the atmosphere builds, then I actually think it could go go that way. I expect Rangers to and they've been guilty of not doing this. Uh, yeah. They're flying at the traps early in games this season. They've been kind of notorious slow starters. But I don't know. I've just got a feeling that, as I say, it's, this game's been built up on Sunday. And I think if Rangers do start quick, then you might just see the best of Rangers. And you might see the best of their, their, big, their big players uh, who I expect to come to, the, come to the fore. And that's why I think Rangers ultimately will, will win the game. So I don't think Hibs will be in any way looking to come in and sit in in the way that you know a lot of teams have done, and that's what Rangers have struggled a wee bit this season is when they're having to you know break down teams. And we know it's been at times throughout Stephen Gerrard's sort of tenure that's been the thing that they tend to struggle with most when when teams are sitting in and been stubborn last year. They cope with it really well, but the first two seasons. There was times where they really sort of struggled to get to get through the motions when when teams were were, were sitting in and, and blocking space. I think you know the way certainly Jack Ross, Jack Ross likes to play is that he'll be coming to Ibrox ready to have a go. So um, if you know that that'll certainly please Stephen Gerrard a bit more. That they'll know that they'll be, they can be space space there to exploit. I think not having Ryan Kent there in that sense will, will be a blow. But you know if Rangers can sort of get in behind Hibs. Um, at times when they counter attack, then it could have the making of, a, of an entertaining game. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier there that we keep waiting in, on certain games and say, well, this could ignite the season because, you know, it's flag day or because it's, the, you know, I mean, is there a chance, Scott? We touched on this last week and I spoke to Andy. This was obviously before the Dundee game, when again, similar comments followed the game. Not good enough, sluggish, need to up the game. And we keep saying, you know, it'll eventually catch fire. But is there a chance that is there a chance we could just be in for a season of this, but 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 still enough to to win the league and uh, just because they're still better than all the rest? I do uh, think well I, I mean I, I said uh, I've said for a while now that I, I, I thought and this was before Celtic have dropped the points that they have done, but I just mm-hmm. thought Rangers and Celtic would drop more points this season. Um just had that feeling obviously with the the changes at Celtic, you always felt they were going to be quite vulnerable, especially at the start of the campaign, which has proved to be the case. And with Angels, I think we discussed it at the time. It's just that once you've hit that peak of winning the title, 
know, we largely the same group of players. I think we all felt it was going to be difficult for them to, to go again. You know, you need that those special type of characters. You need to add to the squad. And there's still obviously an argument that Rangers haven't really added to that first eleven. You know, to make them to make them better. I know Lundstrom is coming into his own now in the last the last couple of weeks. Still, to really see what Sakala and, and Bakuna are all about, and I do expect him to get better. But I think you're right. I mean, I think it could be one of these seasons, and I think Rangers and Celtic will drop will drop points, particularly away from home. But if you're asking me how it's going to pan out, I still, at this moment in time, would expect Rangers to go and win the league fairly, fairly comfortably. Obviously, Celtic have had an absolute nightmare start to the season in terms of in terms of points return and away form and we all know about the kind of problems they've had uh, with injuries and that as well so I think Rangers will win the league fairly fairly comfortably but I do expect I, I still expect Rangers to go on a run and, and find that, that bit of form so you think they'll turn on the style eventually because I keep hearing slow start and I think God we're in October we're almost in October I mean, at what point does it not become? It's not a slow start anymore when you're reaching that. I mean, how many games have we played? No competitions. I don't. Was it fourteen or fifteen or whatever it is? I mean, it's not a start anymore. It's not no, a slow start. I said before. I think they. I think they've shown it in flashes. No, so, and and ultimately those moments in games have have got them points. I've got them mm-hmm. victories. Um, think of Tavernier's goal, for instance, at, at McDermott Park. I mean, that game looked. As if it was just you no know, Rangers hadn't played that well. Game was kind of almost kind of fizzling out. You thought it's going to be a it's going to be a draw, and he pops up with something something brilliant. So, listen, it might be that type of season. It might not be a classic season for Rangers, you know, in terms of the football. But ultimately, the prize at the end of it, you no, know, it's, it's another title, and even better than than last season. It gets you straight into the, the championship group stages and you no know, 40, forty million quid. So. It's my, I think if you ask most punters this season, are they really going to be that bothered about how, how well they play or how, how pleasing it's, they look on the eye? It's amazing how things change and obviously your goals change because, you know, winning the league last season was all that mattered and after not winning it for so long, then you win the first title in 10 years and then you're top of the league the following season, you know, it's and and there's grumblings because as well, well it's not good enough. It's, I suppose that's just that that's just the way it works, isn't it? It's just like you just sometimes you can never please people. Listen, if Rangers if Rangers don't if Rangers don't play that well this season, still win the league by twelve points. Yeah. There will be too many people complaining about it going straight into the Champions League. No, um, no. But I suppose on a week to week basis, you know, like the Dundee, if we take the Dundee game on Sunday, you know, or the Motherwell game, sort of the previous week or the second half of the Motherwell game, I suppose people still want to go. I suppose, you know, if you take those games in isolation, they still want to see better, I suppose, yeah. you know. I mean, Dun- Dundee away, I know Dundee have just come up, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the last time Rangers played well at Dens Park and won a game convincingly. I mean, there's two or three in my head in, in kind of recent times that I remember. Uh, when they were really poor. I mean, what was it? What was the game? Murty ended up doing a headstand on the touchline. I mean, oh yeah, terrible. I was. I like that was the first game I think they'd lost at Dens Park since the Simon Steenrod game. I think that was. I'm, right. sure, I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, yeah. Remember the the four three game that started uh, the, the long one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was it. 
it feels like it's it feels like it's always been a struggle there. So if you go and win one nil, and obviously they've got a battle, a battle up with a penalty save for for McLaughlin, um, mm. a poor, poor penalty for Jason Cummings, but yeah, it's one of the games you go, you don't play that well, you win one nil, and you you move on. I mean, listen, of course you would like to see them playing with a bit more style, being a bit more ruthless, mm-hmm. but you've got to think. I mean, Morelos hasn't really hit top for him yet. KMR Roof's just getting going. Hadji's coming back after a layoff. There's no get Kent there. As I say, Sakala and Bakuna, I think, will will become better and will will add to it as this as the season goes on. So I mean I wouldn't be getting too I wouldn't be getting too down about it. Uh, I mean obviously Sunday's a huge uh, a huge game, just in terms of stretching that lead. As I say, Celtic having all sorts of problems. So I mean if you can get if you can build up a big lead over them, because I think as the season goes on, Celtic will get better when the players players come back and they, they settle down a bit. You'd still expect, obviously expect them to be the main the main challengers. So if Rangers can build up a lead just now when they're not actually playing that well, then you know, Gerard will be pleased with that because he knows there's he knows there'll be improvement to come. Yeah. And just finally, Andy, I mean John Lundstrom, think he is somebody who seems to be finding his feet. Gary McAllister was uh, heaped praise on him after the the uh, the, the Premier Sports Cup win. Yep, against Livingston, and then again, Stephen Gerrard was um, quick to praise him on Sunday. So you know, he got a bit of stick at the start. Gary McAllister said he's got to find his role in the team. His role's different from when he was at Sheffield United. He played in a team that didn't have a lot of the ball. But do you agree with the, the manager and the assistant manager? That yeah, yeah, I mean, I spoke to Morris Ross yesterday for today's paper. And he, he makes a good point. You know, when he's at Sheffield United, you know, they're, they're a team that are used to not basically having the ball. Whereas, you know, Rangers, you know, especially when he's playing in that sort of Stephen Davis role in front of the back four, I mean, everything just goes through you. I mean, you're getting literally hundreds of touches of the ball throughout throughout the match. You know, he's saying you could have the ball spells of possession that last, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes where the opposition just don't get a foot foot in. So Mm -hmm. that's just going to have, that's going to take some adjusting, some getting used to. Um, He's obviously a Premier League footballer. He's played two seasons in in, in sort of the toughest league in the world. And, so the fact he's been able to cope down there, especially his first season where he did really well, um, you know, shows that he's he's got talent. He's just going to have to get used to the role. I mean, I'm not quite sure the role that they've got earmarked from in terms of it looks more. He's more comfortable, I think, sitting in front of the back four doing this, the Davis thing. I think um, the way that he was accustomed to playing at United, where he would. You know, rampage forward with the ball. That was generally on counter attacks when there was space to attack. When he plays further forward, he doesn't have those sort of wide expanses to run into to, you know, to 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 show his power. So perhaps you know, playing in front of the back four and just being tidy and and, and sweeping up. I thought against you know Dundee, his positioning, his reading of the game was, was superb. He, he always seemed to be in the right place just to cut out an attack. Um, to spark something, he's he, he didn't really try to do too much with, with the ball. It was all neat and tidy, but just sort of circulating, rotating, keeping 
Dundee on the move, so looking for those spaces. Yeah, the other, the other guys in front of him didn't do too much with it. Um, you know, only the one goal. But you know, I think there's signs there that there's a role that he can perform, and I think that's going to be vital when it comes to Stephen Davis as well, because you know he's played a ridiculous amount of football recently, and at the age he is, he really needs to be able to have the opportunity to take games off and you know to, to rest those legs of his if he's going to be as influential as Rangers want him to be in the big game so having somebody like John Lundstrom there that is as reliable and as trustworthy as Stephen Davis will, will be a big boost to Stephen Gerrard and obviously the signs are that he's he's getting it he's getting what's required of him he's plugging into the, the game plan so I think the signs are, are encouraging in that sense he's, he's probably still not at his top form but he's you know certainly getting, getting close to it at the moment I, th- I think it's interesting, Andy, because you know, I feel like for the last best part of two years, I've been saying Rangers had to sign a physical uh, sitting midfielder, and they didn't didn't have it. I mean, they tried it with Koulibaly at the start, then they had Zungu come in. Two or three have, have tried it, and when Ryan Jacks obviously know they're, no, I think they're a bit light in that department. Davis has done brilliant, but he's a totally different player. Obviously, he's a ball player. He's not got that kind of physical presence uh, or kind of running power anymore and in the summer I thought it was disappointing that Rangers didn't go and go and get somebody like that especially in Ryan Jack's absence now when Lundstrom came in like you I mean I never imagined for a minute that he would fill that role I mean whenever I saw him at Sheffield United did you say he was a rampaging forward thinking midfield player you No, know, he play right of a midfield or, or centrally uh, no central in a three or whatever, and he was a ball carrier, and he would try and get into the box late and score goals, and that that's what I expected to see him do at Rangers. Obviously, he's come in. I think at the start he found it really difficult to get used to the, the system that Rangers have got the four three three. I know for a fact, you no, know, they were loading him with information at the start to try and get him up to speed on exactly what was required of him. And I think he found that quite difficult to, to get used to. I mean, I watched him in the game at Tannadice that Rangers lost. And I mean, he was like a lost boy that day. I mean, he, he was, he was, I think he was culpable for the goal in open play. It, it didn't look as if he knew what he, was, what he was supposed to be doing or where he was supposed to be playing. So it's really interesting that they've now found this role for him almost as like a Davis replacement or as an alternative to Davis sitting in front of the back four. And because he's physique, he does actually give them that physical presence. But I, I think they've been crying out for it at times. And with that Dundee away game, probably a prime example when you needed somebody like that and obviously performed really well. And if that is you know, the role that they've now... I found for him or, or they now think that's where he's best so when Davis isn't playing he can fulfil that role then you know, people were saying at the start it looked like a, kind of a poor signing or an unnecessary signing or whatever but if he can be that alternative to Davis sitting in front of the back four where he gives you totally different attributes to Davis then he could actually prove to be a really good sign getting him in in a, in a free transfer. I think it's smart th- management as well. I mean, if you if you remember back when Aribo first signed and they played him in the sort of middle three, and Gerard said, you know, he, he was struggling to, you know, again get to grips with the system, the defensive aspects of the system, and that's when they moved him up into the sort of front the front line, and it was just, you know, I think Gerard spoke about at the time, just want to simplify his game. You know, allow me to settle into the club, the expectation levels, get used to 
the city, his teammates, everything else. But in terms of just allowing simplifying his game and allowing him to focus on what he was good at, and then the more he get used to being at the club, they could add things tactically. And that's yeah. what you see now. Now he's trusted to sort of play in that sort of that more advanced role or the or the middle three quite often. I think that's maybe what they're doing with Lundstrom, going the opposite way. Instead of saying, right, okay, we want you in the middle of the park where you've got to be able to go forward and come back. We're just going to sit you in front of the the back four. You've got the whole game in front of you. You can shield the areas where we need you to get across, cover when the full-back score, read the, read the play, read the danger. But you don't have to worry about you know trying to do too much on the ball because you know the way that likes Kamara and Aribo play, you know they're touch players. They're you know they're, they're so skillful in the ball. You know with the best well in the world. I don't think that's what John Lundstrom's you know best abilities are. He's not going to take a guy that's going to play you know you know one touch passes round round defenders at the edge of the box and, and carve teams open. He's going to be a guy. If he is going to be a threat in the final third, it's just that power, as you say, charging past defenders. So the role that Revere match from this now will allow him just to get his confidence up, will allow him to get himself settled in the team, perhaps get a bit of the scrutiny off him. You know, he's you know, being the sort of the one, you know, he's been the, the sort of marquee signing of the summer. There has been a lot of eyes on him, looking for some looking for him to impress, and it's it's been a difficult start from this role maybe takes a bit of the heat off him. Um, I, I don't think he'll play every game. I, I still expect to see Stephen Davis come back in to slot into that role for like probably for Thursday night. I would imagine if, if he's if he's fully fit. So um, I, I think in that sense it's smart by Stephen Gerrard. Just take the heat off him a wee bit, simplify his role, and just allow him to get his feet under the table. And then that you know that that takes a bit of the, the, the scrutiny off him. Yeah, I did see finally, but sorry. I suppose we can't really leave the Dundee game without mentioning if Lundstrom was getting praise, Connor Goldson not so much. This contract situation, we've been talking about it since the very first podcast of the season when it was rumbling on, we thought he was going to sign, um, hasn't signed. Is it affecting him or is it too easy just to assume, to put two and two together and say that he's he's lost his focus because of that or he's certainly not the same as he was last season, is he? Well, did, did Connor Goldson not say himself? a couple of months ago that he wanted the contract thing dealt with because he feared himself that it would distract him, you know, if he had other, other things on his mind. Um, and it has rumbled on, unfortunately. And you have to say, from the outside, and obviously we don't get much of a chance now to, to ask questions of the manager or of the, the players at Rangers, but from the outside looking in, it does look like it's affected his game and it also doesn't look like he's going to sign because well, you would have to think if there have been in negotiations this long, he would have signed by now. Um, I mean, it, it, Obviously, it took Glenn Kamara a while to sign. He's now signed up for, for the next few years, which is a major boost for the club. And we'd have wanted Goldson to, to follow suit uh, and that hasn't happened. It's all went very, very quiet. And I just think he's looked a bit more vulnerable this season than he has done in previous seasons. I wouldn't say he's played poorly. Um, he got done for the penalty, obviously, with Paul McMullen uh, on Saturday, which which could have been really costly. There's been one or two other wee, wee errors. As I say, he's just looked a bit more susceptible to, to getting caught than he, than he has done. Rangers haven't looked as solid in general this season. Uh, no help to obviously injuries to guys like, guys like Hillander and stuff. But no, listen, he's not been at his best 
Is it because of contract? Who knows? But as I say, we, we're only outsiders now looking in and you have to say it hasn't been as solid. And the fact that he isn't settled in terms of his future, no, ultimately doesn't know where he'll be playing next season as it stands just now. If that is at the back of his mind, then it could be it could be affecting his, his performances. Yeah, you're right. I found that quote there. This is two months ago, well, almost two months ago. Um, I can't have that in my mind because I know it'll distract me. The talks are ongoing. Hopefully that can get sorted. I haven't really spoken to my agents, as I said, um, probably about four or five weeks ago that now the season started, I need to concentrate on this... Uh, yeah, so it was basically, I can't be distracted by that as I know mentally it'll affect me, so I don't I don't want to know about it yet. Sorry, he was basically saying that he wasn't getting involved in the talks because it would distract him, so yeah. he was leaving it to his agent. Yeah. Um, so he, he's claiming it wouldn't distract him because he's not getting involved and he's left it to his agent, yeah. So we'll just see how that one gets resolved. But as you say, the longer the clock ticks down in that one, the less likely you would think. Um, it would it would be that he would sign, but I suppose you never know. If he says he's happy, he uh, if he's happy at Ibrox and he's left it to his agent, then I suppose there's always a chance. Okay, well, listen, boys, I'll leave it there. Thanks a lot for joining us this week. Um, and we'll be back next week. Obviously, we'll be into the international break. We'll be back next week to discuss uh, the two big games this week. Uh, so thanks a lot for your time and enjoy the games. <laughs> <laughs>